0: Gene Steinberg and David Biene. Technology, technology, technology. As a lot of you listeners know, David and I come from the technology business and he's worked with me on my other radio show, the Tech Night Out Live, and then we came together for the Powercast, And so we're very much interested in using technology, the best technology has to offer for paranormal research. But sometimes there are exceptions. Are there? And do we come from the technology business? Gene, I like to think
1: that I come from the technology lifestyle. (laughs) That's even more fun. Uh, And I'm not paying royalties to Apple for saying that. No, I'm someone who grew up playing with radios and and, uh, anything I could get my hands on that had, you know, like knobs and made weird sounds. and. When people ask me what I do for a living, Gene, I usually tell them, well, that's a hard thing to describe, but overall I would describe myself as a technologist. That's what I do. I'm interested in lots of forms of technology and um, lots of different applications of technology and the design involved in uh, implementing technology in a way that humans can use it. And certainly... Is technology perfect? Well, well, of course not. It's a thing in evolution. We're in the middle of the story. We might not even be in the middle of the story. We might be somewhat closer to the beginning of the story
0: than we want to believe, ultimately. Well, I think we always believe that we're really close to the end of the story. And whatever we discover, whatever we learn, we think we have really reached the holy grail. And guess Mm -hmm. what? It doesn't happen. I don't think so. Well, the thing that got me all worked up, Gene, there was a post... On the forums, in
1: response to me describing to one of our other members the issues of the differences between radio reception technology and audio recording technology, and in addressing the whole uh, subject of EVPs and voice recorders and why I don't believe that uh, certain voice recorders will work in the hands of certain people versus other people in terms of capturing EVPs. Anyway. There was this whole back and forth going on on the thread and one of our listeners actually posted the unbelievable comment, is this show, I'm going to paraphrase this, I'm not going to read it directly from the page because I'll scream if I do that, but basically it went along the lines of, is this show about technology or the paranormal? As if these were two completely unrelated topics. What the heck is that, man? Is that what we're dealing with? Do people not understand that technology is the interface we have to any level
0: of understanding of any aspect of the paranormal besides our intuitions? Well, we're certainly trying to quantify it and measure it, and certainly when you have situations where you have photographs of strange things, ghosts, UFOs, you use technology to analyze that material and see if it passes muster. But I don't understand why you would say, Or anyone would say, and we're speaking to the collective you here, that this is not really good. It's just like, for example, if you're using a tape recorder to record noises or piano players that are ghostly. Now, if they don't register on a cheap recorder, you try a more sophisticated recorder and see if it registers on that, if not a sound level meter or something. But the $10 cassette recorder, I don't think is gonna do it. No, it doesn't have the kind of microphone that is sensitive
1: enough to pick up the wide spectrum of frequency range that you want to in order to have the most data you can start with so that when you do your various filtration and isolation and Signal enhancement techniques, the more information you start with, the better chance you'll have at actually getting some useful patterns out of that information or data.
0: And in fact, you'd probably then want a very high resolution digital recorder. I would think so, given that they're going for two to three hundred
1: bucks these days. See, one of our recent guests actually made the comment that you couldn't expect any kind of standardization in audio recording equipment because somehow it was unreasonable to think that a person involved in doing paranormal research, would have the wherewithal, the means, or the motivation to acquire a 300 or $400 field recorder. Duh. Are you serious? Do people not understand that it's all about tools, that that's what technology is about? It's tools that you use to gauge what's going on in the world around you. And the quality of those tools is going to have a very direct effect on the quality of Research you do into said environment or surroundings I, I that people don't that would they that they would question that gene But I, it blew my mind. I saw that message and I thought how do I respond to that? I mean, I know I what I wanted to type that I didn't I caught myself I'm learning
0: how to do that every now and then online. This is wisdom Of course, Uh, as you get older, you develop this wisdom. Instead of shooting from the hip, you kind of let it simmer for a while. This is when you get to be my age, and very few people in the universe are my age. I am ageless, of course. Then, well, I'm the kind of person who would also shoot off my mouth from the seat of my pants when I'm talking, for example, to somebody who's really obtuse, like a tech support person for a company. They can be really nice, really pleasant, try hard, or they can be galactically stupid. When they become galactically stupid, I tolerate some of it for a while, and then I sound more aggressive than you do. Really? It just like takes a little bit longer to set me off, but I get there eventually. Uh, it's frustrating, Gene,
1: because here we are. We're trying to have discussions about what have to be some of the most impenetrable topics that one could possibly bring up. You know, politics, religion, and the paranormal. There's just a sick triumvirate for you. And the thing is, you would expect just this base level of understanding that, is our technology perfect? Of course not. Is it useful? Eminently so. All of the good things about our culture, ultimately, are somehow tied to some implementation of technology or appropriate use of it. And, and that's, of course, a whole other topic, appropriateness of technology and, you know, not just using technology for technology's sake. I've told stories, probably maybe not on this show, but somewhere, maybe just stories I, I, I rail around in my head and tell people uh, randomly I, you know, about working. A- I know
0: you like- stop people on the street and you say, I got a story for hey, you. I got something to tell you about. Hey, no. come on over here. Have a cup of coffee with no. me. I'll have the tea. You have the coffee because I don't believe in it. Here's the story.
1: I don't believe in the coffee either. So, you know, Starbucks is going to make no money on us. Thank goodness.
0: I. The fact is that sometimes I'll have a Frappuccino once every month going or two. Lot, no, no. We
1: got, you see, now I'm going to bounce back and go, what the heck point was I going to make? I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> now, that's terrible. No, no, no. Well, just the story about working at Industrial Light and Magic and learning some really hard lessons about appropriateness of technology. There, There are some instances and situations where, a practical effect is easier, more realistic, and more more efficient than an expensive CGI effect. That, that's just the way things go. And that's really about working smart, right? You use technology in ways that uh, perhaps you didn't anticipate. You use technology in ways that break through certain preconceptions. That's certainly been my attitude about graphics technology and sound technology and, and and I love this stuff. This is what I live for, man. I live for discussions about just about, man, just about any type of technology you want to talk about. I grew up going to industrial shows, trade shows, with my dad. And he had a polyurethane factory down in Caracas, Venezuela. And we used to go to these shows that involved these massive injection molding machines that just basically spit out bottles. You know, and here I am, like 12, 13 years old, and I'm fascinated by the machines that spit out bottles because in our apartment... In Caracas, we had a vacuum-form molding machine. I grew up with one of these things. When I wanted to make a diorama for school, I didn't cannibalize model parts, you know, model kits and make parts out of that. I used to make my own parts, man. And, and that's technology. And it we're not talking about excessively expensive technology, at least not the vacuum-form machine. Some of these injection molding machines, well, they're, they're a fortune. And the machines my dad had for doing urethane, These were massive pieces of equipment that, you know, were very complex and in some cases very dangerous. The point is, technology is something that always surrounded me in my life. And I find it incredibly frustrating, Gene, that here we're, we're playing in this paranormal sandbox and people not only distrust technology, but a lot of people seem to not understand the reason that it is indeed useful for trying to understand paranormal topics. It's not definitive and what it can tell us,
0: but you know, do, would people rather use a crystal ball? And I am afraid I already know the answer. To well, speaking of crystal ball gazing and all that stuff, we have a very fascinating guest that you located for us, David. Can you tell us the background of this?
1: Well, this all, of course, comes out of some things that have been said on the forums about. Oh, I don't even want to say. Well, we're going to say her name enough tonight, but the probably the most infamous and uh, ridiculous psychic slash medium in our current culture. Someone who I personally absolutely abhor. Just, I hate this person because of what they do to serious discussions of these topics. This person decimates any kind of pragmatic, rational discussion of the psychic or medium realms. This person is, of course, Sylvia Brown. I don't know why I said that like that. And there's this fantastic website, Gene, <laughs> that I bumped into it. Might have been someone linking it on the Paracast forums. I know that I've read this, this uh website before, I've looked at it before, and it's a fantastic site called
0: Stopsylvia com. Don't you love that? And we're going to talk to the chief cook, bottle washer, and webmaster of that site. Indeed, we are. And his name is Robert Lancaster. Coming up next on the Paracast. <laughs> We have William Burns, the publisher of UFO Magazine, on hand, and he has a special offer for listeners of the PowerCast.
2: Hi, Gene Dave. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Here's our special offer, because we love Gene and Dave and the Paracast. We are offering six issues for the price of five. Normally, when you send me a subscription for 19.95 a new subscription, you get five issues. It's our introductory offer. But just for our friends on the Paracast and friends of Gene and Dave, we're going to throw in an extra issue and give you six issues for the price of five. That's six issues for 19.99. 99 just for you how do we
0: take advantage of this offer
2: there are three ways to take advantage of it one is if you're online go to www.ufomag.com hit subscribe when you come to the paypal page just put in under item powercast offer 1995 and i will know that you get six issues for the price of five, or you could send your check or money order to UFO Magazine Post Office Box 11013 Marina del Rey, California, that's Ray spelled R-E-Y, California, 90295. Put down your name and your address and on your name and address label, put down Paracast offer. You can also put it on your check for 1995 in your money order. I will know exactly what it means because I'm psychic and I will credit you with six issues instead of five for that 1995 or you can call me at 1-888-UFO-6242 leave me a message I will call you back or if I'm in the office I'll pick up and just say hi I'm a friend of Gene's and Dave's I listen to the Paracast here's my special offer and I will take your name and address and your credit card and send you six issues for the price of five and that's how you do it Gene and I love to hear from our listeners if you'd like to share
1: your thoughts with us Send your messages to news at That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to check out our website at theparacast.com, where you can download past episodes of the show for free and visit our dynamic discussion forums. Also, please patronize our sponsors. Tell them that you've heard their ads on the Paracast. They'll appreciate it, and we will too.
3: You've entered another dimension, you've entered the Paracast.
1: Robert, I was very happy to bump into your website, com, because we haven't really talked about her much on the Paracast. Because normally we don't think that someone like her deserves our time, but we think that you definitely deserve our interest and time because you're doing, I think, maybe Gene might disagree with me, but I think you're doing a very valuable public service, uh, spending the time and the effort to uncover the stuff you've uncovered about her. I'm curious. What motivated you to go after Sylvia Brown specifically?
3: Well, I had just finished up my, my previous skeptical site and uh, was looking around for a, a topic to cover, and she was one of the uh, oh, top three or four people on my list, and I ran across the story of Opal Joe Jennings. And this is one of the very first articles that I placed on the site once the site came up. Opal Joe Jennings, a five-year-old little girl in Texas who went missing and After searching for some time, her grandmother appeared on Montel Williams' show to ask Sylvia Brown's help in in finding Little Opal. And when she did, Sylvia Brown told her that Little Opal was still alive, but had been kidnapped into sexual slavery in Japan. And... That's uh, a horrible enough thing to tell someone, even if it's true. But as it turned out, years later, well, the, the reading on Montel was in uh, 99. In, in 2003, Opal's little body was found not far from where she had been kidnapped in Texas, mm-hmm. and wearing the same thing that she had been kidnapped in and with uh, her head had been crushed. And so she, she had been kidnapped and uh, probably molested and killed within days of her having been kidnapped. And her family, especially the grandmother, had to live with the image of their little girl being molested over and over again in a foreign country they could not get to. I can't think of anything more despicable to do in a case like that than what she did. And that was the primary thing that pushed her over the top in terms of uh, my next subject matter.
1: I think that would be enough to get anybody absolutely roiled up. Um, uh, The word that came to mind
0: for me is heinous. It's just absolutely disgusting. That's certainly a straw that breaks any camel's back. That is terrible. That is terrible. Okay, so having heard this, you proceeded to...
3: I proceeded to uh, gather as much information on her as I could. There there were uh, a lot of skeptical pages here and there about her on the web, but no one had gathered all the information together and in one place, and, and I decided that there needed to be a sort of a one-stop shopping for all your Sylvia Brown facts and put that together. And uh, in uh, late November of 2006, the site went up with, I think it was three articles to begin with.
1: Are, are you the source of all the stuff that's on there in terms of the writing?
3: In terms of the writing, yes. Other than the, um, the emails, I publish emails that I, I get from, from people when I think mm-hmm. they're, they're pertinent to the, the mission of the site. And, of course, those are written by whoever is corresponding with me. But I, uh, even in those, I write the opening and, and closing uh, piece to the article. But all the other articles are written by me.
1: And uh, the tone on your site, Robert, is is really fair. And it's in many ways really objective, even though, obviously, your interest in this is highly subjective. I think that reading your tone and the way that you sort of frame the emails that you get, and, and man, there's just an insane pile of stuff that people have sent you, and we're going to get into some of those details. But I think you've been really even and and sort of calm about all this. I'm curious, though, to digress for a moment. You said that you got into doing this after you had done another skeptical site. I'm wondering, what was that?
3: Uh, that was my, my first skeptical site, which was www.stopkaz.com. And Kaz was a woman who... Well, I I fell into this whole story when my mother uh, told me and and my uh, then fiancé about a woman named Kaz DeMille Jacobson who had uh, spoken at her church the previous Sunday. And the story that uh, my mother related to me of uh, Kaz's story was just so fishy. It was just just totally beyond belief. But my mother bought it, and and so did the people in her church. The, The story consisted... Of her being the illegitimate grandchild of the famous film director Cecil B. DeMille, and uh, <laughs> oh, the illegitimate God. child of, of his daughter and Peter Lawford, the actor, and that she was uh, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in, in her uh, in her wealth, and she had produced Academy Award-winning movies and Grammy Award-winning albums, and it went on and on. But then the, the piece de resistance of her whole story that she would tell in front of churches was that she was in one of the towers of the World Trade Center on September eleventh, two 2001, when the plane hit. And she has this absolutely towering inferno story that she tells of being trapped in an elevator, and things burning around her, and then they climb down the ladders on the side of the elevator shaft, and it goes on and on and on. She rescues some people, and uh, she escapes the building just as it, as it crashes down, and then she is hospitalized and goes into a coma. And while she's in the coma, she dies. And for, I think she says 18 minutes, she was dead. And during that time, she went to heaven. She met with Jesus and with God and some of the apostles and saw all sorts of fantastical things. They gave her a mission to come back to earth and tell everyone about. And when she woke up in her hospital room, she had a rock in her hand, a rock that was given to her by Jesus.
0: So she was between a rock and a hard place. That's terrible. That's that's oh. one way of looking at it. Okay. Anyway, oh. she, she would tell
3: this story in front of churches and they would take up donations and give her money. And and the whole thing was, was utter nonsense. But people would buy it because she was doing these things in, in the name of God. And they would think, oh, well, no one's going to be saying these nice things about God and lie to us. Mm. And so they would, they would buy her story. And I would have let the whole thing just drop when my mom told it to me, but the, the fact that, that she was making money off of the deaths of all those people that, that, that died on that day, and that, that huge tragedy, that she would, she would use that to con people out of money just offended me greatly, and I dug into her story and found um, absolutely no truth to any of it. She wasn't related to DeMille's at all, and, and, and there's no truth at all to any of it. And I finally got a hold of the Demills, who confirmed that she was not part of the family, and uh, they didn't know of her, and they had been uh, sending cease and desist notices to her to stop claiming that she was one of them. And once I had gathered all this information, and put it to my mother and showed her the, the facts and, and the lack of evidence of, of anything that she claimed, and I, and I did that primarily because the woman was coming back to speak at their church again, and, and I wanted to stop that. And so I showed the evidence to her. She was concerned about it. She wasn't totally convinced, but she was concerned. We then took it to other people in her uh, church, the elders, I guess, and uh, they canceled the uh, the appearance that this woman was going to have at their church. But so while talking to them, one of them said something that really, uh, really floored me. He said that he had also searched the web for information about her and didn't find anything, but rather than recognizing that for the red flag that it was, I mean, if you've produced Grammy award-winning albums and all these other things, there would be mention of you Uh, on the web. uh, And and it was not. Rather than recognizing that as as the red flag that it was, he just decided he would give up and just believe her story.
0: So if you can't confirm a story, accept it.
3: Right, If it's told in in a religious way and in a religious environment. Uh, I I don't get it, but it's, it's a mindset. But that was when I decided that the next time someone went to the web and searched for this woman's name, they would find something. And I put together this site, and over the course of coming months, and I think it was about a year and a half all told, I added more and more evidence that I was finding. And people would find my site that had met her and that knew her. And I was contacted by the man who she was living with on 9-11 in Southern California. Oh, and it was for a fact that she was in his house on that day. And I just c- continued adding pieces and pieces, and, and I contacted churches where I found out she was scheduled to speak. And I, I basically um, made it very difficult for her to continue her little scam.
1: That's an amazing story. And Robert. finally she gave up, or, or what? Well, yeah, I was wondering, did she did she continue with this, even though you'd put this information up? And did she try coming after you for this?
3: Well, it was she tried continuing it, not realizing that wherever she went, that the, the internet is there. That's, hmm. that's the beauty of the internet. When I got to L.A. Times interested in this story, and they started interviewing people that knew her, uh, ministers where she had spoken to their, their church, uh, she skipped town, and she went back to Australia. She's originally from New Zealand and, and Australia, and she was doing a tour down there of various Korean language churches telling her story and it was someone standing up there with her translating it into Korean and getting thousands upon thousands of dollars in donations from these these large Korean churches in Australia. And so when the story came out in the LA Times, I was in contact the next day by a reporter in New Zealand who was very interested in the story, saw it, had mentioned her being from New Zealand, interviewed me and I put her in contact with, with various people that I had uh, met through the course of that uh, investigation. And the New Zealand, I believe it was New Zealand Herald, one of the major papers, had this huge front-page color story all about her, and she at that point canceled her uh, appearances in New Zealand that she had scheduled. And uh, I kept at it, and uh, she finally, I have not heard of her appearing in front of the church with this story in, oh, more than a year now.
1: The the internet is a really amazing thing, and I don't want to take us completely off track, but there's a very well-known guy in the computer graphics industry who was making claims about uh, the Clio Award he had won. And I went to the Clio website and they have a database of every award they've ever granted. To explain sure what enough, the Clio Award is, David. Well, it's a, it's basically an award given for uh, creative excellence in the world of primarily advertising or right. media-related advertising. You know, this guy had been making this claim for years and I went and discovered that indeed this was uh, in no way true and went to his Wikipedia page and uh, corrected that little mistake. This was a guy who was well known in the computer graphics business for basically misrepresenting or or not telling the whole truth behind a number of things and innovations he claimed to have come up with. So it's not like the paranormal world is the only place we see this. We of course see this all over any place where people can make money. And and that's where, really what this is about. And Ultimately, Robert, I guess you've come to the conclusion not to, like, you know, sort of jump right to the end of the story, but it clearly appears, I think, to many of us that that's what Sylvia Brown is about as well, right?
3: I I fully agree. For for example, she has made uh, claims for years in many of her books that she has a master's degree in English literature. Mm -hmm. And all you have to do is listen to the woman speak for two minutes, and and you can figure (laughs) out that's probably not true. And you read any of her books, and, and they do not appear to be written by someone with, with that sort of an education either. Uh, it was rather interesting to note that nowhere uh, did she say where or when she earned the supposed degree. Surprise, surprise. And yes. I did some digging into that and uh, couldn't find nothing. With a master's degree, it's it's difficult to uh, to crack down unless someone tells you where it's from. Uh, if it's a, a doctorate, there are databases of doctoral theses that you can you can look at. But with a, with a master's degree, very difficult. However, I was able to contact one of her ex-husbands who was uh, married to her from, I believe, was 59 to 72. And as far as he knew, she had only uh, been to college uh, one year. And so I put that on the side as part of an interview with him, which did not please her at all. And then she, through a third party, sent me a transcript of three years of college she had done back in, I believe it was Missouri. It was Three years with very poor grades, and she didn't even get a bachelor degree in, in those three years. And so she is still, uh, she has yet to send any proof of the supposed master's degree. Anywhere. In one of her books, she mentions the university that it supposedly was earned at, but that, that university doesn't exist.
0: That's not uncommon, by the way, in the UFO field either.
1: Today, whether you're in business or simply want to share something with friends or family, email and voicemail sometimes just aren't enough. That's why you should try GoToMeeting, a web conferencing solution that will revolutionize how you communicate with your business associates, family, and friends. The ability to host online meetings is an absolute must for today's business. With GoToMeeting.com, it's just like you're all in the same room. Unlimited meetings for one flat rate means you can meet as often as you want for as long as you need. Try it yourself free for 30 days. Just visit go to forward slash tech podcasts. That's go to forward slash tech podcasts. Try go meeting free today.
2: You're a little with I they would be You never know.
0: You're in the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg and David Bietney. Robert S. Lancaster, who runs StopSylviaBrown.com, this year, to tell us how he got into this quest. Yeah, there have been situations over the years where people in the UFO field claim to have doctorates and all sorts of degrees, and you'd investigate and find out those degrees vanish with a haze, or they spend $25 for the mail-order degree. So maybe here she has the mail-order degree.
3: That's a possibility, but it shows so, she's not... Uh, up to
1: that either. She didn't exactly send you a copy of that. Now you uh, you mentioned that you got a hold of one of her ex husbands. There is an interview on your website with him that's really really fascinating, and that I think gives us a very interesting little window into her world. Do, do you feel in interviewing him that he wasn't telling you things out of a sense of spite and malevolence? I mean, do you feel that he was being honest?
3: Um, I obviously can't can't know for certain, but. I, I felt that he was being very straightforward with me. I had originally contacted, and this is Gary Dufresne is the man the name, and I originally contacted him by phone and spoke with him very briefly, and he, and he, he gave me a, a few comments and, and uh, was interested in what I was doing, but was not really interested in being quoted on the site at all or okay. coming forward in, in any way. And, but I left my number with him and, and asked him if he ever changed his mind to, to give me a call. And what changed his mind is one of the major breaks uh, on the site was this past January. Sean Hornbeck, the, the boy who had been kidnapped when he was, I believe, 11 and uh, found alive when he was 15 and made major news all around the world, that, that very day that, that Sean and the, the other young, young boy was were discovered and rescued by the police, I got an email on my site uh, from someone that said Sean Hornbeck was found and Sylvia Brown once said that he was dead. And this is this is the beauty of this kind of site, and the same with the stock cast site. It it, mm-hmm. it invites people with input to send it to you. People who would not come forward themselves, maybe they don't have uh, web skills or whatever, they'll send it to you. You can research it, verify it, and put it on the site. So I researched and found it, and in, in, I found articles indeed where um, Sean Hornbeck's parents, uh, the the name is uh, Akers, had appeared on the um, Montel Williams show back in uh, February 2003. And Sylvia Brown had told him that uh, Sean was dead and that uh, he was buried between two jagged boulders and, and 20 miles southeast of where they lived, and they went on and on. And I found newspaper articles that, that, that quoted this. And, of course, the front the, the page news that day was that Sean was indeed alive. So I put together a brief little article on that and put it up on the site, and uh, that just snowballed tremendously. I got calls from uh, CNN, from uh, Bill O'Reilly. It was mentioned on uh, several... Uh, large radio shows and, and television shows it caused her a, a lot of problems that uh, she was uh, once again being, being called on the carpet uh, for something. And Before the Internet, this, this really wasn't possible. Right. Then to then continue the, the, the story, though, uh, to answer your question, a few days after that came out, I got, received a call from Gary Dufresne. Uh, he had seen what she had done to that family. Yeah. And he told me he was ashamed that he had never come forward before and invited me to uh, come and interview him and do whatever I, I would with the interview. That's what got on the site, was pieces of that interview.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting here where you have situations like this where Sylvia Brown makes a prediction and the prediction doesn't come to pass. Do people go to her and say, hey, what happened here? You goofed. Why? What went wrong?
3: Well, the media very rarely calls her on this. Montel Williams, who who gives her basically a one hour infomercial free every week. Uh, doesn't question her About these things uh, Larry King Wanted to question her About the the Sean Hornbeck incident But she turned him down She turned down uh, A lot She turned down uh, Anderson Cooper Of uh, CNN Wanted to talk to her About it And she turned that Down as well She she disappeared For a while And she canceled Some of her uh, Engagements on Montel And they didn't tape uh, Any of her segments For a while She uh, she doesn't like Talking about Mistakes like this uh, <laughs> the, the other time I've, I've seen her Called on the carpet At all Was back in Oh gosh uh, January 2006 when she was a guest on uh, Coast to Coast AM with uh, George Noory, and uh, that happened to be uh, just mm-hmm. by coincidence the, the same is- night that the Sago mining disaster um, had come to a a conclusion, and they had erroneously reported on the news that the, I believe it was 13 miners that were that were still missing, had all been found alive. Of course, everyone was very overjoyed by that, and George Nori was talking about it in his opening segment, and then Sylvie Brown came on, and he asked her if that news hadn't come out, would she be worried about the miners? And she said, no, I knew they'd be found. An hour later, as you probably know, the, the news was corrected that of those, I believe, 13, only one of them was alive. The rest were all dead. And when he asked her about it, and I give him credit for uh, asking her, wait a minute, then you say they would be alive, and she said, no, I just said I knew they'd be found. I didn't say found alive. And and that's the the way that she weasels out of things. So that's that's one of the few times I've ever seen her confronted uh, by the media.
1: Well, here's the thing, Robert. So here's this woman who gets on to coast to coast, has the one-hour soapbox every week, like you said, with Montel Williams, gets on the Larry King show. How did this person gain this level of notoriety?
3: Well, for a while, she wasn't known on a national scale. And she was uh, she runs her business out of Campbell, California, which is up around San Jose in um, mid-North California. And um, she became sort of a local celebrity and was on... Um, a local news show there, a talk show called "People Are Talking," and she was a guest, a frequent guest on there for a number of years. But it wasn't until she got onto the Montel Williams show and they struck whatever deal they struck that uh, she really took off because that, that gave her national exposure and uh, she became more and more popular because well for one thing Montel has a, has a persona whether it's true or not or, uh, accurate or not he has a persona of a very straightforward and honest guy and so if he tests her on a show she must be legitimate that that is what a lot of people get out of that relationship they 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 think the world of Montel, and so, um, Silly Brown just uh, just by association must be uh, admirable as well. And so she got on that show, and that ended up after a while being a weekly gig, and that that gave her more and more prominence. And she started cranking out the books, and and she cranks out like four books a year now.
0: Does she have a uh, I, cranker who does the cranking, or does she do it herself?
3: She claims to do it herself, although some of her books have a co-author um, named on them. I, I myself have doubts that, that she writes them, but I have no proof of that.
1: I'm going to guess there's a whole lot of the good old copy and paste routine happening. Looks like there's a lot of repetition. Oh, an awful lot of repetition. So what she plus, does here
0: is uh, grab stuff out of older books and mix them with newer books and come out right. with a mixture of homogenized books.
3: Right, and even her her fans mention this kind of jokingly. Well, I've read the, most of this book before, and they, they don't realize they're, they're being taken for a ride.
1: Well, are they being taken for a ride, Robert, or are they just willingly getting on the dumb bus? I mean, or well, where okay. do you draw that line? I refuse to, to think
3: of, of people that, that buy into people such as Sylvia Brown as as being dumb. All right. um, I, I hear people say about this, fight and about things like this in general, well, if they're foolish enough to buy into this, it's their own fault. Just let them. Well, supposedly
1: and, and, she said that, right? I, I mean, that sounds like that came out of her mouth. Well,
3: exactly. In, in that uh, interview with her ex-husband, Gary Dufresne, he, he quoted, Back before she was working as a psychic, she used to um, do like tarot card readings for uh, for friends at parties that they would throw. Mm -hmm. And he noticed that people—well, some people were getting really into it and were really buying into it as as being something legitimate. And after one of the parties was over, he said that he asked her, "Why why do you do that? They're they're buying into it and uh, they're really believing that that you're doing something here." And she told him, and I'm paraphrasing—I don't have a quote right in front of me—but she she told him, "If they're stupid enough to, to buy it." I'll sell it to him, is basically what she said. And I, I believe that that is pretty much her motto ever since.
0: Now,
1: you've got a guy like Montel who is giving her this continued exposure and a regular platform to work from, which obviously that, that network television exposure is working real well for her. Um, doesn't he have any concerns about all of these uh, messes she makes finally catching up to him, and doesn't he feel like he's going to have to Respond and take some level of responsibility for for these uh, complete, absolute
0: disasters that she's engaging in?
3: I would hope if the man has a, has a lick of conscience in him that, that he would be worrying about that, but but he has uh, has not shown that at all.
0: When is there accountability he, on commercial television anyway, really?
3: But your only accountability is, is to the bottom line and, and mm. ratings device and it means of bringing more people in to buy her books.
1: So the thing is, at this point, Robert, uh, we're wondering, what have your interactions been with her quote-unquote people? I mean, you can't just put a website up like this and not have her respond bond we're assuming so what kind of organization backs sylvia brown up
3: well she for one thing she uh has founded a church the name is novus spiritus It means new spirit and uh, that church uh, has an organization of cardinals and ministers and prelates and uh, I, I don't know what all ranks
1: she's given this to this is uh, a tax-exempt or a religious organization yes Oh.
3: And it's a, it's well, actually it's a five hundred one c three, and they See. take donations and, and but I, I have been in contact with some of her uh, cardinals through uh, email as as well as uh, her business manager, and uh, they they have sent me uh, rather rather angry emails, and I've asked their permission to put them on the site, and I have, and then I uh, take those emails apart and say what I think about them. That's basically all the interaction I've had with with her people. I've I've had a lot of interaction, however, with some of the ex ministers within mm-hmm. the spirit of people who felt that they caught on to what was really going on and left the organization and uh, contacted me after finding the site. Some of them uh, told me that when they first found the site, they were they were furious with me and, and thought that it was horrible and why was I doing this to to such a you know godly woman? And then they you know woke up to what was going on and uh, realized uh, or came to the opinion that that the site was correct and contacted me and and have given me uh, insights into the organization and some of the people they're in.
1: Those people haven't suffered any kind of legal repercussions from that organization, kind of the way that Scientology people who leave, who later try to reveal things, end up getting all sorts of legal pressure from the, the main organization.
3: Right. Whereas Scientology is, uh, from from what I understand, extremely litigious, Brown, from what I can tell, likes to threaten litigation a lot. Uh, I don't know when she follows through with it. For example, uh, after my site had been up uh, for a while, and um, not long after the Sean Hornbeck thing was was broken on my site, I received a letter and email from her attorney uh, stating not that anything on my site was, was inaccurate, that uh, she felt that I was violating her copyright, uh, her trademark, rather, of her name. And they said that I must take down the site. uh, I can no longer use her name within the domain of the site. I could not say stop sylviabrown.com. Mm-hmm. And this was was utter nonsense because I, I'm totally within my rights with enough fair usage and, and uh, all sorts exactly. of uh, other reasons to, to, to use it. And there's there's lots of sites out there, uh, you know, Ford sucks or, or you know, we hate Bush or whatever. You, you she's can it's a public
1: figure. It's a public figure. right.
0: Exactly, Absolutely. a public figure. You can do a lot more than you can with just a private citizen. Hey, listeners, did you know that Fate is the oldest and best-known publication on the paranormal? Well, since 1948, Fate has provided their readers with fascinating in-depth articles on subjects like psychics and spiritualists, ghosts and hauntings, UFOs and aliens, as well as readers' true personal mystical experiences. For under $20, you can keep up with all the latest information. To subscribe, call now at one 800 728 2730, or visit FATE's website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. So what are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. You're in the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David Biedney.
1: You never know what's going to happen next. Oh!
0: Here in the Powercast with Gene Steinberg and David Biedney. I guess we are public figures to some degree, and we're talking to Robert Lancaster, <laughs> who runs a site called StopSylviaBrown.com, and it looks like that Sylvia Brown is not doing much to stop you.
3: Well, after receiving that uh, letter from her attorney, which was actually pretty laughable, and and uh, one of the things that I, I didn't even bother to point out, I don't think, in, in the article, is that I I put the letter up on the site, and uh, the, the attorney misspelled Sylvia his name two or three times within the the letter that's that's how i I had actually several attorneys who followed the site contacted me and and asked me please please let me write the response to this and so uh, I, one of them did, and he wrote a, a brilliant uh, reply. And uh, that went up on the side as well as being uh, sent to uh, to her attorney and to her. And that's the last I've heard from them about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they, my guess is they knew that they had no right to make me take it down, but it didn't cost them anything to try and scare me into doing it. And uh, right. who knows, I might have been foolish enough to accept that. <laughs> that was
1: not. Oh, so here you are, and you're obviously doing really good work. Robert, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably thank you more than a couple of times during the uh, length of this show because I to me it, it seems like you're a guy who really puts your money where your mouth is and you're doing the hard lifting. You're you're putting everything up in a way that again seems very objective. Your editorial voice is extremely calm and collected. I mean, if it were me, I'd be putting up Photoshop pictures of her with you know uh, satanic creatures running around poking her with pitchforks. And those would be the kind pictures, yeah, exactly. Those would be the, the easy ones. I mean, you're you're really approaching this with an, with sort of an even hand, and you're to be commended for that.
3: Now, well, thanks. I, I specifically try and, and and maintain that tone, and believe me, it's not always easy to, to maintain yeah. that tone, but. As I said earlier, there, there, are, there are websites out there which have pages about her, and, and a lot of them take the route that, that you're discussing. They, they they are very harsh with her, uh, deservedly so, but they call her names and make fun of her look, and, and that's all well and good, but, but you end up just preaching to the skeptical crowd, because the people who actually believe in her and respect her and love her, they're going to read the first sentence of that, and they're going to click the button and, and go to the next page. They're never going to read and... and get the uh, the information about why they maybe should not believe in her. That is the main reason why I've taken I've tried to have a very calm and level tone. And just go with the facts as I see them and express my opinion. But whenever I express my opinion, I try and make sure that I state that it is opinion. Right. And I invite People to, to send me their, their comments and so that I think is part of the success of the site I don't insult people I don't insult Brown other than saying that I don't think she's what she says she is and I uh, just put the facts out there and let them come to their own conclusions
0: can you tell our listeners I'm sure we're all curious about your background I assume you have a day job and that you don't spend 24-7 trying to stop Sylvia Brown
3: I'm, uh, I'm a computer programmer I've, uh, I've been one for oh, about 30 years now and I live here in the Los Angeles area with of uh, my wife and uh, children, and just uh, an average guy until I get in front of a computer and start uh, hammering out an article about Sylvie Brown.
1: <laughs> well, programmers are dangerous, man. You're, you're, I, oh. And I've known more than my share of them. Uh, the preamble that you didn't hear, Robert, is where Gene and I are talking about how we're both technologists, and we've both been involved with the computer industry for a long time. So I, I know how your programmers are. You're a tenacious bunch at, at the least. Ah. Now, here's the thing I was going to ask you before, though. Um, You've got this site. It's got high visibility. It's very objective. Have you been on Coast to Coast with George Snorri? Have you gone on there to present your argument? Have you been on the Montel show? Have they contacted you to come on?
3: I have uh, emailed both The Montel Show and The George Norrie Show and have uh, suggested that I, I might be uh, an interesting guest to have on and discuss this topic. Mm-hmm. I have heard back from from none of them.
0: Ugh. Why am I not surprised?
3: It's terrible. Well, George Norrie, actually, uh, I've uh, I've got a clip of him, and I've actually put an article up uh, recently about it, where someone had called in the show uh long after the whole incident with the Sago mining foul up, and asked him, gee, how come you not having Sylvia Brown on your show anymore? And, and mm-hmm. he actually straight out said that he has great doubts about her, and he talked about the whole Sago mining disaster. And uh, he said that if he ever has her on the show, he has he made the decision mm-hmm. not to ask her on the show since then, and if he ever does have her on the show again, he said he's going to really uh, uh, give her a hard time and uh, get the uh, ask the hard questions. And I'll believe that when I hear it, but uh, yeah. it would be interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, well, I I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon. Uh, They, No. That's just kind of crazy. Um, Now, you've got these people going on the Montel Williams show, and, you know, like you said, she's on there once a week. Are they screening their audience in a way where they're not letting people come back to call her to task on bad predictions she made? I mean, how do they manage that kind of a situation?
3: Uh, I'm not aware of any screening. Uh, I know of some skeptics who have actually gotten in and, and, and watched the taping. Not to my knowledge. Um, they, they may um, screen people out and not let them back a second time. To- well, actually, no, that's not true. I know people that have been there multiple times. So to, to my knowledge, there's no screening going on of, of the audience
0: members. I assume there's screening of the questions, however.
3: Not to my knowledge. Now, there are, there's a difference between the people who stand up in the audience and get a chance to ask them and ask her one question and the people, the guests that come on and, and describe uh, their house is haunted or whatever, then ask Sylvie right. about that. Those people, I'm sure, are screened because they go out and film segments about them to, to play before they ask Sylvie their questions. But the audience, to my knowledge, they do not screen the question. However, you, you only see a fraction of the questions that were asked. You know, most of them end up on the editing room
1: floor. Well, that's really true for any of these psychic TV shows, right? I mean, the, what you end up seeing is cold from many hours of actual shot footage, and they leave all the cold stuff out, or most of it out
3: that's it's, you know they're in the business of, of selling Sylvia Brown at that point and they, they want to show her in the best light possible well
1: but here's the thing Robert I mean is she so sellable is this a woman who is so media savvy that she's been able to perpetuate this I mean are there potentially other psychics and mediums who might be more legitimate and maybe have a better stage or TV persona
3: well Personally, I, I don't find her persona watchable at all. I, I, I watch those shows every week to uh, to keep up with uh, what I can write about on the site. But if it weren't for that, I, I wouldn't watch or listen to the woman for for five minutes. I, I find her very difficult to listen to and very difficult to watch. She is just very cold and doesn't seem to care at all about the the audience members, although that is changing. She seems to be trying in response, I think, to the site to change her image somewhat, come off a little softer in in recent episodes.
0: Sounds like Hillary Clinton, where Hillary Clinton decides that she has to cry for her audience, and when she does that, two days later, she wins the primary in New Hampshire. You know, Mm -hmm. repackaging a politician is as much repackaging a show business personality, and certainly Sylvia Brown is a show business personality. Right.
3: And but but for years she she really hasn't bothered to, to package herself in a in a pleasant way at all. She okay. Other than the fact she's had some some uh, plastic surgery and uh, such as that, but and then a lot of people who appear on TV do that. Right, and you asked, are there other psychics possibly uh, more accurate or more presentable? I'm, I'm sure there are, there are ones that are more presentable, but uh, whether there are ones that are more accurate or not, uh, I don't know. I'm obviously skeptical of them as well. I, I have yet to see any uh, scientific evidence of, of any psychic passing a, a well-designed and replicable, a replicable double-blind test they, they may be out there I haven't seen them I'm not saying actually, they're not out there I yeah. can't
1: know. actually I can tell you that uh, they are out there um, and specifically at the University of Arizona there are a couple of programs the Veritas and now the Sophia programs going on with dr. Gary Schwartz that are actually trying to do real science in this uh, area and 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 they and they actually have done some real work and double-blind tests, and hopefully we're going to have Dr. Schwartz on the show soon because he's one of the few people that we've been able to find who seems to have any grasp of the scientific method at all, and and of course, that's another huge problem in this field, which is that there is such a distrust of technology and science that those things are are basically thrown overboard for for belief, but you bring up a, a very important thing, Robert. I mean, she does appear on television, to be very dismissive, empathy seems to be the last thing that she presents to the audience. Uh, she's cold. She doesn't seem very friendly. How is it possible that that actually sells? I mean, what does that say about the nature of the audience? Do you think?
3: Well, it, it goes back to um, earlier. We were talking about uh, some people say that people who um, buy into this sort of thing are are not intelligent, and, and I disagree with that. She. She is marketing something that sells. And and there are people, I've been in contact now with with many, many people who uh, both believe in her or used to believe in her. And in my experience, the vast majority of them all buy into Sylvia Brown or people like her when they're at a point in their life when they have just suffered a a great loss the death of a child, the death of a parent, a spouse, something that, that has. Has them desperate to know that there's an afterlife, desperate to know that they will speak with their loved one again, and that 's when they quite often throw any critical thinking skills to the wind and, and, and buy into something like this without really examining it to see if it 's legitimate There are others other people that that um, go on the show with missing children like the parents of Sean Hornbeck, a grandmother of local Joe Jennings. And they they're desperate for any help whatsoever, and, and the police have been unable to find their loved one, and and they're willing to try anything. And and sometimes they go on the show, even though they might not even believe in psychics at all. They just want their loved one's face on television, on national television, and mm-hmm. suffer through Sylvia Brown just to just to get that uh, that uh, exposure. But but these are all people at very vulnerable points in their life, desperate for for one thing or another. There's some that, that are on there. Who uh, have um, medicine has failed they're they're uh, dying of, of um, some uncurable disease and, and can't Sylvia brown help them they'll they'll give that a try and it, it's sad, but this is how she makes a living is by exploiting. Mm-hmm. Um, vulnerable people.
0: Now, how does she get paid for this stuff? Because you go on TV, in a situation like this, as a guest, you probably don't get a check from that, or if you do, you might get scale. So, how does she make the larger part of her money? Does she get donations? Does she charge for individual readings? What? Readings.
3: Well, uh, I, I assume she gets scale when she appears on uh, on, the, on the show, but where she gets her money uh, is both from her books. She has, I'm looking at her right in front of me right now, she's got more than 40 books that she has written or someone has written and slapped her name on them that she's getting royalties on. Uh, She has the the income from her church, although that's uh, a bit foggy as to how much and and who gets what. But she gives personal readings. Now, this this is where it really adds up. She claims, and believing anything she claims is is kind of uh, risky, but she claims that she does 20 readings a day, average. She charges for her phone readings, which are her least expensive readings, $750 for a 20- to 30-minute phone conversation. And I've I've heard tapes of a few of these, and, and I haven't heard any of them go longer than 21 minutes. She says 20- to 30 minutes, and it's 20 minutes and goodbye. So... If she does 20 readings a day at $750, that's $15,000 a day. Wow. Just in those
0: readings. We're in the wrong business, David. How about we start a new service here where you give the readings and I'll maybe handle the cash register and we'll split the take at the end of the oh, day. Good. There you go. It's,
3: it's, at the end of the year, even if she takes months off for vacation, that, that adds up to over, uh, I think, $3.3 3 million. Just from the readings alone, she did From the phone readings alone, she also has um, in-person readings, which uh, are more expensive. I've, I've heard they're two thousand, but I haven't confirmed that. She has uh, once or twice a month what they call a spiritual salon at her uh, headquarters, and up to forty people each pay a thousand dollars. To come and spend a few hours with Sylvia Brown and her ministers, and they get to ask Sylvia Brown, I think, three questions at the end of the day. So that's 40 grand a couple times a month. You know, times, however many months she does that. She has cruises where people pay thousands of dollars to to go on, on a cruise with Sylvia Brown, and she gives her little presentations in, in front of them at, at uh, certain points in the cruise. She has a lot of irons in the fire, and she's getting money from a lot of directions.
1: There was actually a really good um, article I saw online about, I think it was in the British media, I might be wrong about that, about someone who took one of her cruises and had all sorts of really, really fascinating stuff to tell in terms of behind the scenes stuff and the way that they saw her treating the people on the cruise. It was just really disgusting. And then there's a fantastic article linked from your site about someone who had $700 phone reading, a gal by the name of Janet McDonald. as a salon.com article. And that's also very, very telling. You have a lot of really good links on the site and anybody who's listening to this show should definitely go check out the links section of your site. There's lots of good stuff and then of course I think we should probably mention uh, the son she had with Dufresne, Chris Dufresne, is following in the family business, eh?
3: Well, they, they have uh, two sons. There is Paul Dufresne and uh, Chris Dufresne and, and Paul, I guess, tried the psychic game early on and couldn't sell it or what for whatever reason stopped doing it. Chris, however, has continued doing it. His rates uh, have recently uh, risen to $500 for a 20 to 30 minute phone conversation. And I've, mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of email from people who are very disappointed in their readings with Christopher different.
1: Doesn't quite have her suave presentation style?
3: Well, um, <laughs> that's part of it, but I, I think, uh, and then not that she's suave in any way, shape, or form, but uh, he doesn't have uh, the Montel presence. And he hasn't been doing this for 50 years and isn't as uh, aggressive at uh, saying that he's right about something. Because cold readers, which is what I believe Sylvia Brown to be, they'll say something and if you don't buy it, they'll tell you that you're wrong. You have uh, someone named uh, Sydney in your family. Uh, and no, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Go home and, and ask, you know, your family. There's someone in your ancestry named Sydney? I, I know it.
0: Well, it sounds good and- with the audience, but of course, when they go home, they'll realize there may not be a Sydney, or maybe there is. Maybe everybody has a Sydney in their family, and she's just doing it that way, but that's something where there'll be no accountability. We'll have to account for this, by the way. This is the first hour of the Powercast with Robert S. Lancaster, who runs StopSylviaBrown.com. we will explore it further on the other side of the hour and before we split for hour number two i want to remind you coming next week on the powercast two full hours with bright steiger on the powercast
4: ray perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the gulf war
3: want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the
2: Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our forums where you
3: can talk to fellow listeners and gene and data. Just go to theparacast.com and click on the forum links. That's the forum links at theparacast.com.
0: We're back with our number two of the PowerCast with Robert S. Lancaster, who runs a site called StopSylviaBrown.com. And that's how it's spelled, actually. Brown is B-R-O-W-N-E. And we've learned so far that Sylvia Brown may not like what's going on, but her lawyers have been able to do nothing to stop Robert Lancaster. But you don't, Robert, take a look behind you as you drive home, thinking that maybe one of her operatives is following you, huh?
3: Well, actually, you mentioned in the last segment uh, the piece that was in the UK Guardian, written by a gentleman named John Ronson. Mm-hmm. And in that, that piece, he was a gentleman that, uh, that went on the cruise and, and wrote about it. He was able to interview her, and he asked about her critics, and she mentioned both me and James Randi by name and said that she had um, hired a private investigator to to mm. look into archives. And that she uh, she had I don't know how she should it something like she has enough dirt on the two of us to bury us or something like that.
0: Well, but that she would. Randy's that, eighty years that. old. If she's going to bury him, she better hurry because Mother <laughs> Nature may beat her to the punch.
3: Well, uh, he's hanging in there. Uh, he's uh, I really really admire and respect the man. But uh, yeah, and, and so I, I briefly mentioned that on the site in an article which links primarily to uh, Mr. Ronson's article, and, and asked the question if she's psychic. Why does she need a private investigator?
0: I like
1: that. Well, see, now, the interesting thing about Randy, we haven't talked a lot about Randy on the show, Robert. I have some very strange feelings about him. And there are a number of listeners who would probably get upset with me if I said that I thought that Randy served a very valuable role and purpose in the discussion of these topics. And I think he does. At the same time, I think, and I'll just express this right now for those same listeners, I think Randy is in many ways very disingenuous. And I've looked extensively through a lot of his archives, and I can tell you personally that there are things that he throws up on his site that are every bit as ridiculous from the debunker side as anything that Sylvia Brown would say. And, and this is what's what's sad about this, is that in the, in the back and forth, in the sniping, very often, actual nuggets of truth are lost. Now, mind you, I don't think there is any truth to Sylvia Brown's claimed abilities. I don't think she can do a damn thing. And it's pretty clear, based on all of the information you've compiled, both in terms of tracking some of her predictions, and let's talk about that in a moment, but um, also and in terms of people's experiences with her and the organization, it's pretty clear that, that this is indeed and I'll just say I think I don't know that I'll say this for the show but actually no I'll, I'll say this for the show we, we think she's full of crap and um, <laughs> there's just no nicer way to put it
0: yes um, and that's being
1: charitable extremely charitable well well, the problem here is that she really does make any sober and rational discussion of these topics really difficult she is constantly pointed to as the negative example
3: and others point to her as the positive example it's, it's, uh, it's very strange but back for a moment to your comments on James Randi. As I said, I really respect the man. I've met him. I've eaten meals with him, spoken to him a number of times. I have a lot of admiration for him. And I think that what you said about we all owe him a debt of gratitude for some of the things he's done, I think it's very true. He has thoroughly debunked some people that deserve debunking absolutely he doing it before before anyone else was was really on the scene doing it and, and others of us are are sort of standing on his shoulders at this point
0: well i remember randy when he was doing a radio show where he actually when long john nebel i believe left his original surroundings on wor radio this is back in the 1960s late 1960s randy did the same kind of show for several years At that time, I knew him casually, and as a matter of fact, I interviewed him a couple of times when I was working at a radio station in New England, and we seemed to have a pleasant association at that particular point in time. Then later, he got involved in the skeptical movement, and I think he became a little bit too dogmatic about some things, and that's where, for me anyway, I lost some respect for him because I think you could move too far in one direction and that does not help your case
3: well he he can be harsh at times there's, there's no doubt about that And his, his approach in his uh, article that he writes for for the, the James Randi educational foundation he takes a very different approach than I do and, and they, they both work in, in different ways and for different people but as I said a lot of respect for the man and for what he, he did with Yuri Geller and what he did with Peter Popoff uh, supposed faith healer back in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, I, I just I salute the man but just from what, what little experience I've had these past few years with my skeptical sites and the, the interaction I've had with a lot of people there are people that are, that are very vicious about their defense of the, the topic that, that I'm skeptical of and I would imagine if I had been doing that for as long as James Randi's been doing that maybe, maybe I'd be a little harsher in my tone as well I, I really can't say but um, I, I can't say enough good about the man.
1: Well, then that's fair. But let's get let's get back to Sylvia Brown, the topic of this discussion today. And and by the way, uh, this is a bit of a different show for us, Robert, because um, typically on the Paracast we, we try to talk about topics that we consider to be examples of legitimate paranormal "quote unquote" events. You're trying to trying to create some kind of a middle ground, and it's kind of strange in that sense because we we, we approach things from a skeptical point of view, but at the t- at the same time, you know, regular listeners of the show know that, for example, I've had a number of really strange, paranormal experiences, personal experiences, many of them shared with other people, and when you go through something like that, there is this desire to try to gain some level of understanding if that's even possible and and that creates for me also a sense of frustration with the sylvia browns of the world because you know we, we have equivalents to her in in the ufo realm uh, david sarita who is the go-to guy for fox when they have to have an ass hat on to talk about ufo stuff they get him on and and he has no credibility whatsoever and he tarnishes any rational discussion of this stuff and you know that's how I got to find your website you know it was based on the few times I mean I know a couple of times I've gone to a doctor's office I'm sitting in the waiting room and Sylvia Brown is on in the waiting room and I'm watching it because you know that you're you're captive of the environment you can't you know you're waiting to get in to see the doctor and there will be older women sitting around me watching her and invariably they'll you know the discussion will come up gee what do you think of her And most people that I've spoken to in a social context who don't know anything about my background or interest in this topic, they say to me, she's not very good. So, again, I'm sort of at a a bit of a loss to understand why does someone like Montel Williams have her on? I mean, have you had any emails or correspondence from people who have worked for Montel who have given you any kind of insight from the inside of that situation or his camp what this is about
3: no i'd, I'd love to hear from him but, but so far no but montel has has been interviewed a few times and then people end up asking him about sylvia brown and he said some things that i found pretty fascinating he was asked on some radio show and i have a, an audio clip of it on the site if he really believes in sylvia brown and he said i've said it over and over and over again i don't believe in psychics but I believe that Sylvia Brown is just highly intuitive. <laughs> now, that, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, because how would intuition be able to tell someone um, what you're going to be uh, in your next life, what you were in the past life, uh, that you're going to have uh, three boys in four years, that you're going to meet and marry a guy named Fred? What does intuition have to do with any of that? Or what what your spirit guides name are is or how many uh, guardian angels are watching over you and what their names are this is intuition to him it, it makes no sense He, uh, to my to my way of thinking he's just trying to justify having her on even though he doesn't believe in what she does
1: it just seems odd though that he wouldn't try to go find somebody who's potentially we're not saying definitively but potentially more credible and maybe just a tad more capable than she is, because it seems to me that she's not capable at all. I mean, there's a disconnect there that is still, I, you, you almost wonder, I, I mean, this is going to be silly, but you almost wonder, gee, does she have something on him and sort of
0: has him by the short hairs? I, I, you got to wonder. Don't, well, since don't he's bald, I, have- I guess there are no short hairs, but let me make this very short. I think most of you know that I love radio, and so I decide to look for the ultimate receiver for AM reception because I want outstanding AM reception day and night, especially night where it gets difficult. So I've discovered that C CC Radio Plus has earned the reputation of having the best AM reception, which is exactly what C Crane intended when they designed this gem of a radio. Along with its legendary AM reception, it also has excellent FM reception, a weather band, TV audio and the ability to run on batteries for, and listen to this, 250 hours. So whether you use it as your bedside radio in your kitchen or at work, the CC Radio Plus will give you the pleasure of clear AM reception. The radio is designed for the clarity of the human voice and the benefits of useful features like five memory buttons per band, they work just like memory buttons in your car, a sleep timer, An alarm clock so you can get up at the right time. And a weather alert that now works as an all-hazards alarm. You know what I want you to do? I want you to buy that radio, but also support this show by visiting techbroadcasting.com slash crane That's techbroadcasting.com slash crane and to order the CC Radio Plus for one hundred sixty-four ninety-five, and that includes free ground shipping and a free C-Crane catalog. Place your order today.
2: You're in the Paracast with and David B.
0: You're in the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg and David Vietney, Robert S. Lancaster joining us. He runs a site called StopSylviaBrown.com. We're dealing with a highly skeptical person here. Now, we have our own viewpoints about skepticism, which is to approach everything with a skeptical eye to try to discern the truth. And we're talking now about the lack of truth behind Sylvia Brown.
3: We we're talking about Montel Williams and, and whether or not he, he buys into her. Right. He, as I said, has said some fairly skeptical things, trying to justify why he has her on. But he also, there, he has you know quotes on the the, the flyleaf of um, jackets of her books, saying wonderful things about her and that he's seen her solve crimes and and find missing children, and and of course gives no detail behind any of it. An example of how disingenuous he is about the whole thing are, are their annual. Prediction shows uh, towards the end of the year, sometimes early January, she gives um, predictions for the following year on his show, and they'll sometimes he'll review the predictions from the last year, but only the ones that he can somehow spin as being right totally mm-hmm. ignores the 90% of them that, that were totally wrong. And so all the audience, sees, oh, look, she was right about this and this and this. Isn't she great? He's not interested whatsoever in in being fair about this at all. He's interested in ratings. And for whatever reason, she gets him ratings.
0: Uh Well, that's the whole answer, though. Maybe it might be that the people who run his syndicated show... The network bigwigs say keep her on, she's getting the ratings that's what you need. keep the interest up it makes you unique. Yeah, baby, you'll make your millions. that's how it goes'
3: yeah, it's, it's sad that that is the case because you know at one point I, I admired the man I, I thought highly of him, but with his association with Brown over the years it repeatedly and he's, he's enabled her. And, and he's the exactly. reason that she's successful as she is. And, and I, I find that uh, almost as heinous, if not more so, than, than uh, the things that she does. pandering, yeah. He sees these families come on and, and, and her lie to them and, and the tears that it brings to their eyes. And, and he's got to know. He's, he, if he's got any brains whatsoever, he's followed up on some of the stuff and, and knows that she's wrong. I have on the site, oh, and somewhere between 12 and 15, i lost count, cases where people have come on the Montel show uh, with either a missing family member or with a murdered family member, and they they want to resolve the case. And she tells them, you know, who murdered them or where their loved one is. And there have been hundreds of those on the show. And of those, there are people who are helping me doing research on these, and and they they find the transcripts that are available online and then go into newspapers and and try and find out if that case was ever solved that 's the only way you can you can uh, sure judge track record at all is find cases that were later solved to see sure. if she was right absolutely of the of the more than a hundred that these people have looked into the majority of them uh, they were not able to find uh, that they were ever solved And sad that 's that's usually the case If someone 's mm-hmm. been missing long enough for you to end up on the Montel Williams show chances are they 're not going to be found that 's just just the sad statistics and but of those more than a hundred they were able to find 15 or 20 that were later solved. And she was wrong in every single case. Every case, <laughs> so far, we haven't found an exception to that.
0: Has she and been right in case, anything but the fact that she gives these readings that portray certain approximations or general information that could apply to anyone? She's wrong in these predictions with regard to crimes. Has she ever been right in anything?
3: Her her annual predictions, uh, the ones that that she generally gets right, are are ones that anyone with any common sense or or did a small amount of research could come up with. There will be um, earthquakes in Northern California. There's earthquakes in Northern California every five minutes. I mean, there are literally thousands of them per year. And, and so to to, to say that, and, and the audience not really thinking it through, not not being uh, critically thinking about it, will say, oh gosh, uh, I wonder if they're out. And then next year, they'll say, you said there were going to be earthquakes in Northern California, by gosh, there were. And and so those are the main things that she gets right. One, well, uh, I recently did an article about her presidential predictions over the years that I've been able to find. <laughs> And in um, late 1995, she put out her predictions for 96, the, uh, the election, and, and predicted that Clinton would be reelected. Well, that was pretty much a no-brainer at that time. Yeah. He was very popular, and uh, he was an incumbent. And unless the incumbent really screws up, generally they they come back.
1: And, and, and the economy so, was good, so you know at that that time. Uh, People were working, and, 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 and so they had no uh, no reason to kick him out of
3: office.
0: Well, of course, they reelected Bush, and maybe. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know that my economic situation was all that great when he ran for re-election, right. but that's enough. maybe that's oh. why they like Hillary. They're thinking, well, let's get back to the '90s when we were all making money, where you had the dot-com boom and all these dot-com millionaires with their ephemeral business plans. Hmm, hmm. just what we need.
3: So she, she got that one right. But but then in uh, the, her, two, her uh, predictions for 2000, she initially predicted that Bill Bradley would be the next president. And then uh, when he didn't even get the nomination, she changed that over to uh, Al Gore will be the next president. And, she was
0: right. And then, well, yeah, you it, know, this is, sure, 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 right on.
3: Well, <laughs> did, she, did she ask her spirit guide uh, who got the popular vote, or did she ask the spirit guide who's going to be in the White House? So, yeah. But but even after she picked Al Gore and, and and the uh ballots were being recounted in Florida, there was a notice went up on her website that said, Definitely Al Gore is still gonna win. She even knew that there was a recount. and, and, and of course, you know, the the Supreme Court came in and did their thing. But after that, I've been told, I've yet to confirm this, but I've been told that she said on Montel that the reason she got that one wrong is she did not know about the Electoral College.
0: <laughs> Duh. Oh, my God. Hey, let me ask you a question here. Sure. Let me ask you a question about her background. Other than faking her education, what is her real background? How did she get into this crazy business? Well,
3: she claims, if you read her books, that uh, she is last, or not the last, but one in a long line of uh, 300 years' worth of uh, psychics in her family, and that she is just carrying on the the grand tradition. But in in terms of uh, how she got into it business-wise, Uh, She wasn't uh, doing this back when uh, she was married to Gary Dufresne, which, as I said, was between 1959 to 1972. He he thought it was uh, very meaningful that that the relationship lasted 13 years. That the number 13 really check out. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so but during that time, she was never making a living doing this, and uh, she would occasionally do these like tarot parties, you know, tarot readings at parties. And uh, they got divorced. And she got together with a man by the name of Brown, but without an E. His name was Dalzell Brown, Kinzell Dalzell Brown. And uh, she got together with him, and and they started putting together these um, uh, sessions where they would uh, teach people how to astral project and, and just about any sort of paranormal thing you could think of. They were trying to make money out of it. And I've got some, some old ads from, uh, around seventy three, seventy four, 74, whenever she was doing that up in the Bay Area around San Francisco. And that, uh, that slowly grew to her doing these, uh, these trance readings. She, uh, uh, goes into a trance and channels uh, Francine, who was her spirit guide, and, and she started building a clientele and, uh, I mean, you see a shingle out on every street corner. I don't know about where you guys are, but here in California, it's just about every street corner in an urban area. There's there's someone doing palm reading or, or tarot cards or whatever. And she started building a clientele, and from there, she ended up. However, on that television show, people are talking, and it and it's grown from there. Once you get a media presence, so once volume, you get
1: that media presence, your your goal, right? I mean, that, it really right. seems like that's it. You can be the
3: worst psychic in the world, but if you get in front of enough people, enough of them
1: will believe in you to keep the money rolling in. But there's stuff, though, Robert, that just gets silly, like the whole smoking thing. It's just just ridiculous. I mean, anybody who's ever been around a cigarette smoker knows what they sound like, and this is someone who, and, and like you do point out on the website, this is sort of a trivial point. But I think it, you're right in that it speaks to the larger issue of, of just being honest, where she, she absolutely states that she does not smoke cigarettes, yet you, you get these emails from people that have worked for her who say, my God, she's you know, living in a cloud of cigarette smoke that kills everything around her. Uh, and you have that great picture of her with the ashtray on her desk. I mean, you know what, why lie about something like that?
3: There are times when it seems to me that she will lie rather than tell the truth just for the fun of it. I mean, she—I I don't understand the, the motivation behind a lot of what she does. I just can't
1: explain it. Yeah, I, I guess we're getting into strange areas of psychology. I, I have to tell you another thing that's on your site is this great interaction you had with Ehud Segev, the, the mentalizer. And the reason I really enjoyed that, uh, the year before last, my lovely girlfriend, who I always have to mention on the show, and Jean, she says she's ready to come on soon. So that's a whole other topic. But um, she took me down to Manhattan to see Segev's Mentalizer show. So I've seen this guy live in his little in his little venue. He's not really, I thought he wasn't very good. She enjoyed him more than I did. His tricks were pretty mundane, and I'd seen pretty much all of them before. You know, so this is not a guy who claims to be a psychic or really claims to have any paranormal abilities. He he tries to allude to that, but ultimately he's sort of a slick operator with a pretty bad sense of humor, and, and you know he's got the the okay stage presence. But what he's doing are, are all pretty obvious gags. Yet he went on the Montel Williams show, and she's sitting there going, uh, uh, I, "I don't want to. Die. If I do a Sylvia Brown voice, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, and some of the <laughs> listeners will bitch at me." I I can't. No. Because I, I want to go to the Java voice that I do. And it just won't. It almost sounds like Chewy. Hey, Gene, you still there?
0: Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I was going to call the doctors. They're going to take out the white coats, and they'll be here okay. shortly. And they have the jacket, by the way. I know you like the red straight jacket instead of the yeah. white one, right? purple one, do The purple one, like Prince. <laughs> Except I think I need a
1: bigger one than Prince. No, you had this really – tell our audience, please, Robert, about your interactions with Ehudzigev and what went down there.
3: Well, for those who don't know, a Segev is is a mentalist and for those who don't know what a mentalist is, it's it's basically a magician who creates the illusion of of psychic abilities. Right. Um, and they'll they'll do things like they'll they'll know a phone number that, that you pick out of a book in advance or or they'll they'll do things like bending spoons supposedly with their mind. But it's, it's it's all sleight of hand and it's it's all good fun unless someone is actually pretending that they're doing it with their mind. There are people like uh Yuri Geller, of course, who's pretended for decades that the the three tricks he knows how to do bending a spoon, bending a key, moving a compass with his hand uh are all magical powers he has, and yet yet there they are things that that the you can read how to do in any magic book. And those are the kind of things that Ehudzigev uh, does, but he does not pretend that they're anything uh, mystical about them. They're, they're sleight of hand, and he's very open about that. So, And he was one of the, the, the people who was on the, the recent uh, television series, Phenomenon. He was one of the contestants yeah. on that. So uh, he had appeared on um, the Montel Williams show a couple years back when he had a one-man show in New York and, and did his, his spoon bending and, and things of that nature. And uh, Sylvia Brown, on that particular episode, was the guest host. This was, I guess, something that uh, they were trying out at the time. So she was sort of the Ed McMahon to uh, Montel Williams as Jenny Carson. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay, yeah, I don't think I can hold it in anymore. Oh, that was a beautiful visual. Thank you, Robert. Oh, 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 God. I'll tell you what, before we proceed with what happened next. Hey there, listeners. Have you ever thought about hosting your website? You know where you can actually host your blog or your web page? Well, I'll tell you where to go. Host I can. Host I can. And as a matter of fact, they provide all our hosting, too, for this site. And guess what? Their price starts at only $7 a month. How could you go wrong? It's reliability, and speed speaks for itself, and that's why we're able to provide you with this radio show that you're listening to right now. It's Host I Can. Give them a try. You'll be glad you did. To learn more about Host I Can, go to this website, techbroadcasting.com. That's techbroadcasting.com slash Host techbroadcasting.com slash host. And you'll learn more about Host I Can.
3: Hi, this is Timothy Green-Beckley, otherwise known as Mr. UFO, reporting live for the Conspiracy Journal. And we have a special offer for the listeners of the Paracast. Want to receive our publications for free? conspiracy journal, and Bizarre Bizarre, sent to you via snail mail. And all you have to do is email me at Mr UFO at webtv.net That's mrufo at webtv.net, and we'll send you two of the most exciting publications, but we do need your actual address because these are physical publications and you'll enjoy all the latest articles by some of the leading researchers in the field, as well as up-to-date information on the latest Book and videos, and it's all for free. Or drop us a line, Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. This
1: is
0: the Paracast with your hosts, Gene Steinberg and David Biethane.
4: You never know what's going to happen next.
0: You're in the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg and David B. Edney. Robert S. Lancaster of StopSylviaBrown.com joins us. All right, she's guest host, the Ed McMahon of this particular episode. And
3: So they, they ask uh, Mr. Segev out to do some of his uh, minimalist routines, and he proceeds to do some, some pretty stock things, and he, and he did, them, did them well. People who don't know how they're done wouldn't understand how he did them. And he bends spoons and, and does a few other things like that. And throughout the, the entire 20 minutes or so that he's there, Sylvia Brown is, is saying things like, oh, this, is, this isn't sleight of hand. He's, he's really bending. He, you should be a healer. This is kinetic energy he's using. And she's either totally buying into it or she's pretending to. It's, it's hard to tell. But either way, she's, she's giving him the thumbs up as being really uh, psychically powered, mystically powered in some way. And he just went along with it and kept doing his routines. And, and later on, he wrote about it on his website. He's very open on his website, which is uh, the mentalizer.com, I believe. And he's very open about uh, their. Nothing but sleight of hand. In fact, he he uh, tells people how to do some of his tricks. But uh, he he talked about what she said and how it was it was wrong. He said that you no, know, I don't use kinetic energy to bend the spoons. I use a different kind of energy, basically. You know, his thumb is is what that is. And he, he's very much against people who claim psychic powers uh, and don't have them. And uh, so he, he said some uh, some interesting and rather harsh things about people like Sylvia Brown on the exit interview he did uh, when he got kicked off the island on the Phenomenon show. And I, I took all those clips and put them into an article, and I also um, wrote to the man and asked him if it was okay if I, if I quoted him and if he had anything else he would like to say about his experience with Sylvia Brown on the Montel show. And he responded with very, uh, very graciously with a, an email that is up on the site and, and uh, reaffirms his position that the, nothing he's doing is, is mystical and he does not like people who uh, take advantage of others by pretending to be doing something mystical when they're not.
1: Yeah, but of course at the same time he played along on the show and it's sort of like everybody does what they have to do to get their TV exposure, which of course unfortunately begs the question, if that's the way the mechanisms work, are we going to ever see anything even semi-legitimate on television? And you know, I, I, at this point, you know, I come personally come to the conclusion that no, we won't. Basically, everything—it's back to the scene from Network, you know, where you've got Howard Beale screaming at the audience, "We are the illusion; you are the reality." And people just don't want to buy into that. And it's scary because uh, you know one can draw all sorts of dark conclusions from that, as far as how people can be manipulated. Via this crazy thing called the tv set
3: robert do you own a television yes don't have cable but I, I have a television
1: but you don't have cable correct what do your kids say about that
3: nothing i could say on the air basically but uh <laughs> no we, we we rent dvds and, and uh when they need to see something on cable they, they go to a friend's house
1: now that's interesting why have you made that decision i'm wondering.
3: Well, it's. Uh, 500 channels and nothing on most of the time but there are some things that uh, that, that I would like to watch uh, but uh, they just don't seem to be worth the money to me it's it's not a big moral decision it's uh, it's just not worth the money to me
1: well that's interesting and and again I I have to commend you though because I think that you're doing your kids a favor that maybe one day they'll understand.
0: Well, I grew up, we didn't have a TV set until I was maybe eight or nine years old, I think. And what we did is when I wanted to watch any show at all, we'd go to my uncle, who lived maybe a 10-minute walk away. And we'd see one show or two shows on his TV set. Then I'd go back home and listen to the radio. But I'm not that old. No, you're, you're older. You're going to go back to the uh,
1: Milton Burrow thing. I know you're going to do that and don't do it. It really shows your age, Gene. Sorry. I've got a rib gene every chance I get because it's just so much fun. Now, Robert, you've had, like you've mentioned before, um, you've had people contact you who were initially very upset about the things that you were putting up on the website, but then gradually, as they did their own research, they came to understand that you were actually perhaps doing a service for them as well. Can you give us a couple of examples of people you were able to turn around?
3: Well, I at this point, the site's been up for more than a year now, and at this point, almost daily, I receive emails from from people who say that they uh, believed in Sylvie Brown's abilities uh, tremendously, and until they found the site and were upset with the site, read it, and have come to the conclusion that, that I was correct. Sadly, they I mean they're, they're, they're saddened by the fact that they were fooled for so many years. But, but one example that really sticks out is uh, one that I recently put an article up about. And this is, this is someone who the first time that she wrote to me, and, and I refer to her as uh, Rosanna in and, and the article, it's not a real name, but she first wrote to me uh, a very angry letter, upset that I would ever doubt Sylvie Brown and, and why am I you know, attacking this lovely woman. And she had even had a phone reading with Sylvie Brown and a phone reading with her son Christopher Dufresne and was quite pleased with both of them and uh, was scandalized by my sight. And uh, I replied and, and, and told her a little bit of, of why I feel the way I do. And over the course of uh, almost a year, we corresponded, and she gradually came to the other side of the fence. She, she would say, well, why did, why did Sylvia know? Uh, in my phone reading, the very first thing out of her mouth was, so you're going to move to Washington, D.C. Uh, how did she know that? And I tell her, as I tell anyone who asks me questions like that, when someone asks me to justify something that a psychic said, unless I see an actual footage of it or even a transcript of it, It's just human nature to to misremember things. Memory is a very malleable thing. And when you try and justify something that happened from a person's description of it, you're usually trying to justify something that never really happened. That's that's been my experience in in this this whole thing. And so she had the tape. When you you get a reading with Sylvie Brown over the phone, you you, uh, usually get a uh, tape recording of it. And she said, I've got that somewhere, and I'll dig it out, and and I'll transcribe it for you. And so she transcribed portions of it. Hmm. And the first thing she noticed was it wasn't quite the way that... she had remembered it it was it was a few years back, and just like it with any story that you tell to people over and over again it it changes a little over time and, and you forget the the bad parts and you, you play up the good parts it's, it's it's human nature and so she she found out that that uh, Sally Brown hadn't said uh, so you're you're moving to washington d c she said a minute or so into the, the talk, she said, "What's this about a move? Now, this is a classic cold reading thing. What's this about a move?" That can mean anything. That can mean you're you're moving your home, means that you're you're moving upward at work. You're moving your career. You're you're moving ahead in in your love life. They they make a vague sentence that that can a vague statement that can be interpreted in a number of ways, and they rely on you to make it fit to their situation. And so she said, well, well, now we're not, we not about moving, but my, my husband works for the government and, and he might be uh, working in Washington, D.C. someday, but, and, and Siri Brown said, oh yes, that's what it is. That's what's going to happen. I see you guys living in, in Washington, D.C. Then later down the line, he did get an offer to, to work at Washington, D.C. And, 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 took it. How much of that was because of what she said and how much of it was, was just known, was just or rather was guessed at because the, the woman had already mentioned Washington, D.C. It was uh, she herself, was in herself, who brought it up. Not Sylvia Brown. She remembered it differently, though. So, and, and there were many other things that uh, she remembered uh, differently, or, or that I could explain to her in terms of cold reading. And she gradually said, "Okay, well, maybe you have a point there. Maybe, okay, all right, you're good. All right, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's not as amazing as I thought it was." And then she started reading articles on the site, and uh, as more and more articles piled up, you know, there's, there's uh, almost ninety articles on the site now. She would, she would read a, a new one and, and comment on it and, and do her research on it. And one of the things that really I was telling to her, uh, before I was mentioning all of the, the cases that she's got wrong that, that I have on the site, well, I've, I've also openly uh, extended an invitation to anyone who knows of any documented case that Sylvia Brown has gotten correct where the reading was, was documented, whether it was on Montel or in one of her books or whatever, and then later on it was proven to be correct, let me know. I'll research it. I'll write it up and I'll put it on the site. And even if she's not psychic at all, which is why I believe, I mean, chances are you've got to be right sometime. It's like the old saying, even a stopped clock is right twice a day. So over the course of the decades, she's got to have been right a few times. I have yet to to hear from anybody saying, okay, here's a documented case that she got right. I hear from people saying, well, I'm not going to do your homework for you. You go out and find it. Well, we've been looking. We aren't just looking for the ones she got wrong. we were looking for anyone that we can find out the result to. And so far, they've all been wrong. She's, she's been wrong in every case. But, but anyway, so, so this Rosanna, over, uh, over the course, she decided she was going to research this on, and find the ones that Sylvie Brown had, had gotten right. Because you figure if she, and she claims to have found hundreds of missing children and solved hundreds of murders, there's got to be all sorts of, of grateful parents and, and, and grateful families. Uh, seeing her praises all over the place, it's not there. It's it's there's nothing out there saying, uh, here's here's a murder she solved, here is a missing person she found. It's just not there. You read her books and and she refers to them and she refers to them either with with not enough detail that you can uh, actually confirm or refute it. Or um, she'll make after-the-fact predictions. Like, like uh, she claims to have told uh, law enforcement the initials of the man who uh, kidnapped and murdered uh, Polly Kloss many years ago. And I've interviewed Polly Kloss's father about this, and it, it'll be up on the site later on. But uh, he said that, that Brown was not involved in the case whatsoever. And, and so she'll she'll make claims like this after the fact. I'm looking for ones where where it was documented before the case was solved. And they're not out there. They're just not. And I, I've asked her. Uh, there's an open letter on the site to her and to, and to her staff. Send me your cases. because they claim they've got, you know, filing cabinets full of these things. Well, send me one. Uh, I hear nothing. So here's a question. Over time, Ro- yeah. Rosanna, to finish up that story, Rosanna finally, uh, at least she got it to the point where she... Uh, decided that whether Brown is, is legitimate or not, she's, she's not a nice person. And then it, and it grew from there. And she's at the point now where, where she uh, is of the opinion that Brown is a total
1: fraud. All right. So you've got families like Sean Hornbeck's parents who go on Montel. She tells them their son is dead. Their son turns up alive. Is there a legal recourse or do you know of a situation where family then has gone even after Montel in a legal arena? for some accountability for the grief that they've been put through? Or, or do uh, is it a situation where the Montel show indemnifies themselves against such claims?
3: I do not have a copy of whatever document guests have to sign in, and, and Sean Hornbeck's family were guests. Uh, I have seen the uh, the agreement that you sign in order to be in the audience, and that you you basically hold you know, Montel and uh, Sylvie Brown and the producers and everyone uh, totally uh, blameless for anything that should happen to you. Any embarrassing thing that Sylvie Brown says, any shocking secrets she reveals, uh, you, you okay. have no recourse. So whether whether the guests have a similar document that they sign or not, I, I do not know. I would I would imagine so, though.
1: But you also uncovered that they don't have any kind of a non-disclosure policy, which I think a lot of people had assumed and supposedly audience members going on the John Edwards and I guess the James Bond Prague shows supposedly they were required to sign non-disclosures right?
3: I've seen the the document from uh, the the non-disclosure agreement that that you had to sign to get on to John Edwards' show, uh, crossing over when it was around, and uh, it, it had some non-disclosure things that, that I, I, I don't think were terribly enforceable. But I, I was uh, surprised that uh, there was no nondisclosure agreement within uh, the Montel Williams signing uh, document. Rather.
1: So you don't know of any situation then where uh, parents of a case where you know the kid, where Sylvia just basically ends up not only being wrong, but having potentially put them through any kind of grief. You don't know of any situation where parents have then, or families have gone after her in the legal arena
3: no no I don't and and usually in those cases I mean when, when Opal Joe Jennings um, body was found uh, or when um, other cases where people's bodies were found that she said were alive the family has, has other things to deal with uh, much more important things to deal with and then going after Sylvia Brown they've, right. they've got the, the grief and, and their lives to get through and in the case of, of Sean where she said he was dead he turned up alive obviously his his parents uh, have a, a lot of things more important to take care of and getting Sean uh, back into a healthy life mm-hmm. rather than pursuing a, a- any sort of a lawsuit. They may someday uh, they, they may have already, if so I, I have not heard about it. But uh,
0: so, so nobody not, that you know has actually sued her for causing this kind of grief and pain. I guess there are so many disclaimers with what she does that it may make it difficult. You know, although they can say well, she's just an entertainer. How can you believe an entertainer?
3: Right. Interestingly enough, I, I have not noticed anything in any of her books or on any of her television shows saying uh, this is for entertainment purposes only like you see on, on some of the, like the 900 psychic lines and stuff their commercials but if the uh, agreement that these people signed to get on the show is ironclad enough that they, they don't need to say that
1: in your research Robert have you been able to uncover um, what kind of financial gain she's really gotten from this I mean is there any way to to really figure out what her organization is worth or what she's worth personally
3: no I have not as of yet uh, there are people who are working on that and we'll see how far they, they get but I as I said, I I, uh, I can estimate some of her income from reading just just from her own statements as to how many readings she does and and the the fact on her side of what she charges. But uh, I do not have any real documentation other than her son Christopher Dufrane, who charges uh, much less than she does. He filed for divorce and back in I think it was 2001, he was going through a divorce with his then wife, and as part of uh, that, he you have to file. Uh, how much your income is in order so that that the judge can determine what the payment arrangements are going to be, spousal support and so, and so on. And in a uh, court document I have that he filed at that time, he estimated that, that he was going to earn, and by the end of that year, just short of $1 million from being uh, his, from doing his psychic readings for his, his mother's company. And uh, she charges more, and she is far more well-known and far more popular than he is, so I, I would assume that she has a, a lot more... Um, readings that she does and in fact she claims that the waiting list for uh, her phone readings is three or four years long his waiting list is a few months long so if you extrapolate from that he works for her he's making a million dollars a year she's making some good money
1: now she's got multiple publishers putting out her books you have uh, links on your website to the penguin group the random house and simon schuster have you ever spoken to anybody at the any of these publishers to Get any insight into their take on what you're doing, or have any of them ever contacted you?
3: None of them have contacted me, and, and so far, I've not attempted to contact any of them. Uh, I assume, and maybe wrongly so, that uh, you know they they know where their their bread is buttered, and they're not going to be saying anything negative about her whatsoever.
0: Hey, listeners! Did you know that Fate is the oldest and best known publication on the paranormal? Well, since 1948, Fate has provided their readers with fascinating in-depth articles on subjects like psychics and spiritualists, ghosts and hauntings, UFOs and aliens, as well as readers' true personal mystical experiences. For under $20, you can keep up with all the latest information. To subscribe, call now at one 800 728 Two seven three zero, Or visit FATE's website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. So what are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Gene and I love to hear from our listeners. If you'd like to share your thoughts
1: with us, send your messages to news at paracast.com. That's news at paracast.com. And don't forget to check out our website at theparacast.com, where you can download past episodes of the show for free and visit our dynamic discussion forums. Also, please patronize our sponsors. Tell them that you've heard their ads on the Paracast. They'll appreciate it, and we will too.
2: Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to The Paracast with my two friends, Gene Steinberg and David Biedney.
0: You're in the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg and David Bietney. We're talking to Robert S. Lancaster. He runs StopSylviaBrown.com website. You go there, you can find out why he feels she must be stopped. So after all this time that you've had the site, and was it a year or two, do you feel that you've made good progress towards stopping her, or is it one of those situations like with a cockroach, you kill one, another one comes, and she just goes on and on like the Energizer bunny.
3: Well, I know that, uh, she has slowed down. How much of that is, is due to my site is, is obviously debatable. She, uh, she mentioned, uh, recently on her site that she, one thing she does, and another source of her income is she does these lecture tours, uh, sponsored by Hay House, one of her publishers, and goes all over the country speaking in various venues and charging, you know, between 75 and 100 bucks per seat for people to come and, Listen to her uh, battle on, and then answer a few questions. She's been doing that for years, and she recently announced that uh, this the tour that's coming up in 2008 is going to be her farewell tour. Now, whether she's going to pull a, a share and do a farewell tour every other year, who knows? But <laughs> and uh, is she is she stopping the tours because uh, she's rich enough? Is she stopping the tours because she's getting too old to to be schlepping around the country? Is she stopping the tours because uh, she doesn't like the questions she's getting now that my side and others are, are starting to uh, focus on her. I don't know. I can't tell. It's, it's fun to speculate, but that's all it is.
1: Have you ever considered trying to get into one of her live events uh, around where you live? Because it'd be really fun. I think to watch that. That would be. I'd, I'd pay money to see that.
3: I have uh, indeed thought of doing that and uh, maybe doing that uh, sometime in the near future uh, about that. I really don't want to give any more details. There was a rumor at one point that I was going to be there at one of the Montel tapings, and uh, from, from what I've been told, all hell broke loose, and they, they uh, brought out security, and they uh, they uh, limited the number of times that uh, some people that were there to see three tapings, they told them they could only see one taping because uh, they thought maybe skeptics were going to come and disrupt the show, and she and she's hired, as I said, a private investigator to look into my life so i'm i'm obviously having an impact on her uh to one degree or another whether uh, whether uh, she's getting fewer readings or, or less book sales or what i don't know but uh, i know that uh, the media has uh, turned a more skeptical eye towards her in, in part due to my side over the past year year and a half and uh, she has uh, curtailed a lot of her public
1: appearances here's a, a bit of a silly question okay no that that answers it um have you ever considered, Robert, taking the content that's on your site and putting it into a book format for people who don't have access to the web? Is that something that's ever crossed my mind? Uh,
3: yes, it is something that's crossed my mind and has been suggested to me a number of times, and, and I am uh, considering it. Part of me uh, says, let's, let's wait until there's a, a, a final chapter to, to put into that book. But uh, as you say, that, that may never happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm considering it. I, I don't know uh, if or when it will happen, though.
0: Do you have a profile of the kind of people who fall for a Sylvia Brown? Is it just people who have a loss? Maybe a loved one has disappeared. Is it that a primary kind of audience for the victim of a Sylvia Brown? Is, there, is it an older people, younger people, what?
1: Well, just to dovetail on that, before Robert answers, I'm wondering also with the uh, Novus Spiritus. I mean, is she going after the the Gnostics, and is she having any success with attracting them to her particular spin on it?
3: Well, she she describes Novus Spiritus as a Gnostic Christian church, right. and I, I've spoken with uh, the scholars who, who would would totally disagree with with it being either of, of the two Gnostic or Christian, but. She has attracted, you know, people that, as, as I said earlier, and as you mentioned just now, have suffered a loss or are or, or, or in very vulnerable state. She also has attracted through her books and her church a lot of people. She she presents in her books uh, a view of the afterlife that some people find very attractive, I and mean, she says there is no hell. Everybody gets to go to the other side, which is her word for heaven. Uh, so everyone you've ever, you know, all your loved ones will be there. And it's, heaven is really wonderful. And she's, she's got a book where she describes heaven in detail. And it's, and it's pretty ludicrous the way she describes it. But, and, uh, all your pets that you've ever owned will be there to greet you. And, uh, this is hell. We're in hell now. This is as worse as it gets. This is as bad as it gets. It's all going to get better on the other side. And, and that's very attractive to a certain mindset. And uh, I, I can see where where certain people would be attracted to that. Now, there are people of uh, all sorts of age groups and uh, all sorts of uh, you know genders and, and races and, and what have you that that uh, are in uh, her followers. I, I don't know that much about the makeup of of her church, but those are the groups that uh, I know of that that are involved, and it's it's pretty much everyone.
1: Quick question, Robert, because obviously you've read that book of hers about heaven. Does she mentioned anything about chocolate in there? Anywhere in heaven, chocolate is. Does she get that oh, in there? I'm just.
3: I, I don't recall that, but she she says there's there's sex on the other side. She does mention that, and mm. and really? you can build your home anywhere you want in heaven, unless you're blocking the view of a of a river, and then you have to get a permit.
0: Okay, so you have to go to one of the angels. By the way, they, but she doesn't go for this old song lyric, in heaven there is no beer, that's why we drink it here.
3: No, 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 no. Okay,
0: so there is beer in heaven.
3: Evidently so. If, if you want it, uh, I think it's there.
0: So the chocolate, by definition, would be there, too, because
3: that's... Yeah, and, uh, and maybe maybe some of your old dead pets could bring you the beer.
0: Okay, dead pets, beer, and chocolate. What about cheese? That's evil. That's, that's evil. <laughs> Stop it.
1: Cheese. <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> Dead, dead pet pondu images are going through my head, and this is terrible. What, what have we just done? Robert, just just don't ignore whatever Jean says from
0: here on out. People have been doing that for years. My wife has been ignoring me for 31 years. God bless her soul. That's right. She's just a wonderful woman. and You have to say anybody who can ignore me for 31 years has to have a strong constitution. Or a very logical sense of mind, depending on your point of view. we can't ignore Sylvia Brown. But whatever happens with her, is this right now the main focal point of your pursuit against the psychic frauds? Are there some other people that you plan to devote your attention to in the near future?
1: Well,
3: as I said, when I was considering who to, to start a site on, when the Stop Kaz uh, site had, had pretty much come to completion, Brown was one of them. I feel no better about John Edward. Benny Hinn, he's not a psychic. He's a, he's a so-called faith healer. There's, there's lots of people out there that I think are defrauding the public and harming people. And who knows? I might uh, one day have a side about, about them. Uh, um, I might not. I've had people approach me about possibly um, being an editor, for sites about uh, other people, because uh, there's, there's only so many hours in the day, and, and I, I do have a day job, and right now, this uh, Sylvia Brown site is taking up uh, pretty much all my free time, yeah. so I, I, I couldn't start sites about other people right now, but the other people have approached me about possibly them writing articles and me editing them and putting them on, on a stop whoever site for
0: uh, for other focuses we'll see how that goes okay so say I wanted to have a stop something site and David and I have a list of candidates a mile long of people we'd like to stop and it goes to say that we do believe there is something going on that's very strange in this world but we have these hoaxers who have to be stopped so what advice do you give to anyone who wants to do this kind of thing get involved in this kind of work
3: well, uh, to approach it from a, a skeptical viewpoint, I, I would say uh, my advice would be to pick a topic that you're passionate about. I mean, I became passionate about this topic when I, when I got so upset about uh, the Opal Joe Jennings reading. And if it wasn't for the passion I have for what, what I believe is heinous behavior on her part, I, I wouldn't be as dedicated to this side as I am. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing. Pick a topic you're passionate about. The way that I do things is, is how i recommend it. might not work for everybody, but I would say be as as uh, fair as you can and, and use a, as reasonable a tone as you can and, and let people that come to the site uh, make their own minds up. Uh, don't uh, don't be unfair. Try and show both sides. If, you, if there is another side, show it. And let them make up their own minds.
1: Well, you're way more even and level than we are, Robert, and I commend you for that because I don't know that many of our listeners would say that we're necessarily... That uh, that objective, we sometimes get angry. But see, Gene and I are both New Yorkers, so we have that in our blood. It's our it's our birthright to get pissed yeah. off. That's stuff. right, yeah. exactly.
0: It is our God given right to just scream at somebody if they deserve to be screamed at. But certainly, being able to organize skepticism. And being able to find a way to separate the real from the fake, if there's real in a particular claim or not. But the question here is also, is there also the will to believe on the part of the public that makes it possible for a Sylvia Brown to prey on unsuspecting people? Is that a lot of it also? Well,
3: sure. Just like any con artist, and and I believe that's what psychic frauds are, are con artists, um, they Rely on knowledge of human nature and, and they take advantage of it. And any sort of uh, a con that's out there uh, relies on, on uh, the victim behaving uh, like a human being. And uh, you, uh, you, you find out what they'll fall for and, and you sell it to them.
0: A person like Sylvia Brown, though. Yeah. Are there any laws that she has broken by doing this, that the police can come and say, okay, you're going to spend the next 25 years in prison? I don't know how old she is now, but that might be too long. But,
1: consumer fraud is an oxymoron. I mean, this is like the foundation of capitalism,
0: man. Forget it. <laughs> <Well, laughs> there would be so many candidates. I, I can think of a few already. But
3: That particular question, whether she has uh, broken any laws and, and uh, there's any legal recourse for what she does, that there are many people who are looking into that. Uh, both uh, involved with me, and, and uh, they're totally separate from me. And uh, we'll see what comes of it.
1: I think we hope you find something, Robert. Uh, it just uh, another kind of a not tangential question, but what does your wife think about all this?
3: Well, interesting. You should uh, ask. She she just walked into the room, as a matter of fact. I mean, Susan, mm-hmm. My is Susan. My lovely wife. of was six months now. But when we first met, when we first met. Uh, on, I believe it was our second date, uh, I was driving, and uh, she was in the passenger seat, and we came to a stop sign, or stop light, and she said, oh, there's that, there's that guy I like on TV so much. And I looked over, and she was pointing at uh, a sign uh, for advertising John Edwards his uh, <laughs> crossing over TV show. And I, you know, quietly banged my forehead on the steering wheel for a little while. And uh, she was very surprised and asked me why. And, and uh, she she believed in uh, psychic phenomena. She believed that John Edward was legit. She believed that the Sylvia Brown was legit. And uh, we that that was the start of a, of a conversation between the two of us. Um, I explained why I was skeptical and uh, she explained why she wasn't. And over the, the course of uh, a year or so, uh, she uh, became more and more skeptical, not, not necessarily of the psychic phenomena in general, but of definitely of the, the TV psychics. Uh, Sylvie Brown in particular and she has been uh, behind me 100% I could not be doing this site if it wasn't for her support because it it takes away a lot of time that uh, uh, we could be spending doing family things but she is totally supportive of it and um, and I'm really, really blessed
1: to have found her Excellent, that's kind of Support I'd hope you'd get, and that warms
0: my heart. For those who are interested in getting a hold of you, Robert, and maybe they have more evidence about Sylvia Brown or some other kind of psychic fraud, how do they contact you?
3: Well, if you go to the site, www.stopsylviabrown.com, and you click on the contact button that's up on the top of most every page. There's a page there that which has my email address, which is webmaster at stopsillybrown.com. It also has a snail mail address if you want to send me a letter. And, uh, ways of subscribing to a mailing list to be notified when uh, new articles go up on the site. But that would be the best way for people to contact.
0: By the way, and we have only a minute or two left, has she made any predictions with regard to the 2008 election that we could expose here and now?
3: God. Well, what's what's interesting about it is she is, this year they, they had their, their uh, annual prediction uh, list show on uh, December 31st, and it was more vague than usual and I'd like to think that that's because uh, she knows that there's a lot of focus on her now and Mm. so the more vague she is uh, the less she can be proven wrong but uh, Montel asked her who the front runner for the Democrats were going to be and she said initially it'll be Clinton Hillary Clinton until the summer and then Barack Obama will take over and be the front runner and he didn't ask her whether Obama would be the uh... the uh... nominee or not since you never said So that can be interpreted in a number of ways. And she also, he said, uh, who's going to be in the White House after the election? Is it going to be a Democrat or Republican? And she said Democrat. So she never specifically said Barack Obama is going to be the next president, but she strongly implied it.
0: Well, also, that doesn't strike me as being a very, a very astute prediction. I think anybody who watches the political situation can suggest that these would be the front runners and that there's a fairly decent likelihood that a Democrat would be in the White House. I'm not a psychic, and I could say that only sure. because the people are upset with the present guy. Hey, we want to thank you so much, Robert S. Lancaster, who runs, he's the webmaster cook, bottle washer, and coder of StopSylviaBrown.com for joining us on the Powercast And once again, folks, that's the site. Brown is with an E because it sounds fashionable. StopSylviaBrown.com and understand that we feel that the more that we expose the fakers in the paranormal field, the more time we can spend in dealing with the potential realities of the situation behind all the crazy mysteries we explore Robert, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you
3: both very much for having me on.
0: Thank you very much, Robert. We really applaud what you're doing. Keep up the good work,
1: sir. The Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David
2: Bietany is a production of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Join us next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.